Hello and welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 78. I am your host, Noah Roschetta, and today I'm talking about hope and fear, and specifically how these two things correlate with mindfulness. Keep in mind the Dalai Lama's advice, do not use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist, use it to be a better whatever you already are. I like to emphasize that at the beginning of every episode because it's very important um, to understand that the, uh, Buddhism isn't something that's meant to be preached. Um, so I'm going to emphasize that every time, every podcast, except for the ones where I forget, which I know there have been several. But this idea of no hope, no fear, what does that mean? Well, we know that suffering arises when we want things to be other than they are. Uh, Where there is hope, there is fear. And where there is fear, there is hope. Uh, They're like two sides of the same coin. When we feel uneasy, when we get restless, when we want something to change, something to be different about ourselves or about others, we hope that things could be another way. So with that in mind, this concept of having no hope It's that having no hope can be a radical affirmation of acceptance. It's like uh, when you truly accept things as they are, you don't hope for them to be any different than how they are. And that's kind of the mental game that's going on with this expression of no hope, no fear. Now, in past episodes, I've talked about the concept of having a, a koan. A Zen koan is like a riddle, an expression. It could be a sentence. It's something that that you work with. It's an expression, and it's meant to be baffling. It's meant to kind of shake you up a bit and think, what What are you talking about? And I think this expression, uh, in a way, could serve as a koan, maybe for many of you hearing this idea of no hope, no fear. You may sit there with this riddle somewhat and and think, well, what does that mean? I, you know, I don't like this. I don't like the idea of not having hope. And and I want to clarify this because I. I hope you can sit with this expression and work with it over the, you know, over the months or years of your life as an expression, no hope, no fear. But uh, I do want to clarify a few things as I get into that topic. Uh, Pema Chodron says, hope and fear come from the feeling that we lack something. We hold on to hope and hope robs us of the present moment. That is a really powerful expression, a powerful statement. And, and I get why the expression of no hope could all at the same time feel um, really disheartening because on the other side of it, you could be looking at this thinking, well, if there's no hope, if I don't have hope, then what's the point? You know, what, what do I have if I don't have hope? And, and I know this feeling. Um, I allude to this in many times in the episode, in, in the podcast episodes of a time in my life that was incredibly difficult for me. I was I was going through um, uh, an intense feeling of uh, having been uh, deceived, lied to, cheated, um, and and when you're going through an experience like that, uh, I remember for me, um, hope was all I had at some some stages of that grief of that pain, and but the more that I think about it. The more I, I, I pondered on this while going through all of this, the more I realized that that hope that I had wasn't, um, maybe wasn't 
a pure hope. It was, I had the hope of, of things one day being as if that thing had never happened to me. And I don't know that that's the right sense of hope. That's certainly not the hope that I think is talked about in this expression of no hope, uh, no fear. Um, so I, I, I kind of want to walk you through an experience I had not long ago my, my, with my family. We were on vacation. Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this on a previous podcast episode, but if I did, forgive me. We were, um, we were on a family trip on a cruise, and on the cruise ship they had a giant chess game on, at the top deck of the ship. And my son Raiko uh, is learning to play chess, and he was really excited to see that, and he wanted to play. Every day he wanted to go there and play, and he wanted me to play with him. And I know how to play chess. I know the basic rules. I'm certainly not an expert at it by any means, but I know the, the general rules of chess. So I'm playing chess with him, and of course chess is one of those games that always stands out to me because um, yeah, I feel like I used to play life like I was playing the, uh, the a game of chess and I saw this in him as we're playing you know he's teaching me these strategies that he's learned he, he's taken some classes and he's learned that if you start with this piece then it should be countered with this other and if they do that then you do this and he was kind of showing me and we're playing chess and we're having fun and and he's um, you know I'm, I'm not I'm not intentionally trying to win the game I certainly wasn't being uh, too easy on him I didn't want to uh, but I was surprised that um, once he kind of got ahead of me, I could not figure out how to, you know, how to get past him. And I made uh, I made one terrible move with with my queen, and didn't realize that he it was a setup. He had set me up um, to get the queen out there to uh, so that he could uh, take the queen, and he did. And we were laughing when that happened. And uh, so as I'm sitting there, seeing the joy in his face that he's winning this game of chess against his dad. You know, I, I, I had this mini flashback to this stage of my life where I was playing life like the game of chess and, and I thought that I was a few steps ahead of everything in life and life is going to go the way that I expect it to go because I'm influencing it to go that way. And that leads me back to this moment that I, I've alluded to many times in the post podcast, which was uh, a blindside. It was essentially life gave me a Tetris piece that blindsided me and I was very upset. I was dazed and confused. I was hurt um, and I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out why this happened because when you when you think you're playing the game of chess, you make a move and life presents a move and, and you really are baffled. You're like, why did this happen? Uh, at the time, I attributed it to, um, you know, the opponent, maybe not opponent, but the the person controlling the other side of the game, in this case for me was, you know, I thought maybe God is the one playing the other hand here. And it's like, why did you do that? I, I just couldn't reconcile the move that was made with the pain that that move was causing on me. And it was, it was a really difficult stage for me. So as I'm sitting there playing chess with my son, you know, having this flashback, I had this intense moment of gratitude uh, as I could play it all back in my head because here I am eight or nine years after that move was made and I'm looking at my at the game I no longer see life like a game of chess you know I you guys know I see it like a game of Tetris and I just felt gratitude for that piece as, as painful as that piece was as unpleasant as it was to experience it um, all these beautiful things have come from it. Uh, 
Uh, it led to uh, a new dynamic in my life, a new outlook, a new worldview. It's led to this very podcast. The fact that you're listening to this right now uh, wouldn't have happened had that piece not presented itself. Um, and so I had this moment of gratitude for the the unwanted uh, the unwanted Tetris piece in my life. And I had this thought of, uh, you know, as I was going through that painful stage and I had the hope for things to be different than how they are, in hindsight I look at that and, and there's no hope associated to those events. There's just gratitude for how it is, gratitude for how I handled it, gratitude for how others handled how I handled it, and but there's no hope in there. There's no hope for me in, in the sense of wanting it to have been any other way than how it was. And that's a, that's, it's a strong statement for me to have arrived at um, when you look back at an incident in your life that was unpleasant or painful or difficult. And it's not quite like saying, oh, I'm so glad that happened, but I wouldn't have it any other way. That's the honest truth. Because had, it, had things not been exactly how they were, things wouldn't be exactly how they are now. And to, to, to have arrived at a place of, of so much contentment with how things are right now, I naturally have to accept how things were in the past, uh, even the unpleasant things. And I think that's kind of the sentiment that's being alluded to in this idea of no hope, no fear. Uh, there's another quote I want to share with you. This is by Athenagoras I of Constantinople. This is the uh, so uh, this is the head of the Greek Orthodox Church. Uh, not anymore, but in the past. But he has this quote that I really like. He says, "I have waged this war against myself for many years. It was terrible, but now I am disarmed. I am no longer frightened of anything because love banishes fear." I am disarmed of the need to be right and to justify myself by disqualifying others. I am no longer on the defensive, holding on to my riches. I just want to welcome and to share. I don't hold on to my ideas and projects. If someone shows me something better, no, I shouldn't say better, but good, I accept them without any regrets. I no longer seek to compare. What is good, true, and real is always, for me, the best. Uh, that is why I have no fear, close quote. And I love that quote um, because as I read that, I feel like that's how I feel in my life. I, I'm, no longer, I, I, I'm no longer armed against myself. I'm no longer at war comparing the me of now with the me of the past or the me that I think I need to become in the future. All of that has been disarmed. Um, and, and it was terrible to feel that. Going through that difficult stage of my life, the, the sense of hope that I had was a sense of arming myself in that moment to become a person that would never have to go through that again. And, and uh, that's the sense of hope that I don't have anymore. It's like, I don't feel that. I could go through that whole ordeal again. And it would be painful, sure. It would be unpleasant, absolutely. It would be a lot of things. But um, I don't have a sense of hope, like, wow, I hope. I never have to feel that kind of discomfort again because I very well may in other forms. I, I will. I, you know, if when my kids, if they were to get sick or, or my wife or, you know, my, when my parents 
get old and their health starts to fail like so many things will cause that discomfort to come back in life that wanting things to be other than how they are but when I sit with that and I think about that I don't have any hope in the sense of I hope I don't feel that again I hope you know I hope that nobody never dies that I love I that's just not realistic anymore and I, I think that's the sense of hope that's dropped that Pema's talking about and that I think um, Athenagoras kind of alludes to here, the, the disarmament, uh, to say I'm no longer frightened of anything. Wow, what a powerful statement. I'm no long, longer frightened of the potential pain and fear that's going to come into my life at some point when the Tetris piece is the piece I didn't want. How powerful to be able to sit with that and recognize you know, come what may, I'm going to figure it out. I have faith in my ability to adapt with whatever pieces life throws my way. And what is there to fear when that's the attitude, when that's the perspective? And in that sense, hope uh, doesn't really fit into the equation. I don't hope, I don't hope to only have pleasant experiences and no longer uh, unpleasant ones. I don't have that kind of hope anymore. I mean, I, if anything, my sense of hope is I. I just hope I get to experience it all. I hope I get to feel it all. I hope, uh, I hope I know what it is to love in a way that cannot be measured. Um, I know what it is to hurt and to feel pain in a way that can't be measured. Uh, to feel let down, to be feel unwanted. All these, you know, negative emotions, but they make me feel alive. I don't hope. I, I hope is not part of that equation anymore. I think in our society, hopelessness has a negative connotation. But, you know, think about it. What if hopelessness is actually the start of peace and contentment? Uh, so I hope that as a koan, oh, here I am saying I hope. <laughs> uh, I hope that you can take away from this the expression, no hope, no fear, and work with it. Play it out in your mind. What does that mean? What are your hopes? Why are they your hopes? Uh, what would happen if those hopes are never met? And and work with them that way in your own mind and see what comes of it. Um, remember, mindfulness as a practice is very introspective. So the idea here is not that, uh-oh, I need to drop all my hopes. No, I don't know that that's accurate. It's more, I need to understand what my hopes are and why are those my hopes. Because if I don't even know why I hope the things that I hope for, well, there's no wisdom to be to be had in that. That's a that's a form of going through life habitually reactive to whatever I think I'm going after because that's what I hope, you know, I I, I get. Um, so think of hopelessness in that sense. Um, for me, again, I, I mentioned this in my darkest days. Hope helped me. It helped me to wake up. It helped me to want to keep going. But it, again, I understand now that it wasn't hope in the sense of of changing the situation uh, or the circumstances. It was hope that one day there would be peace in my heart and that that peace that um, I, I finally did achieve only took hold when I no longer wanted to have that peace. That's kind of the irony here. As as I went through the, the stage of grief that I went through, um, I felt a lot of pain and I didn't want to feel it. And it wasn't until I allowed myself to realize you know what I do want to feel it I want to know what this feels like if someone else ever goes through that thing that I went through I would know what that feels like and I opened up to accepting 
the hurt and the pain and the frustration and the anger and the hatred and all these things I had been pushing away for so long. And it was that moment that I opened up and allowed those things to just be what they were um, that I, I realized I just wanted to be free, free to feel my pain, to embrace the hurt, to embrace the suffering. And that was the very moment that uh, became the start of the most intense peace and the most intense contentment that I had never experienced before. Um, this kind of reminds me of another another koan to work with. So you're going to have several koans coming out of this. You've got no hope, no fear. And then here's another one from uh, an old Zen master, roughly 600 BCE, named Linji. Uh, I don't even know if that's how you say it. Linji, Linji, L-I-N-J-I is the spelling. Um, but he has a, a koan that says, there is nothing I dislike. And this is one that was presented to me when I was doing my lay ministry program and I was reading that book of 101 Zen koans uh, somewhere in that book. Of course, I can't remember exactly where, but I remember hearing this. There is nothing I dislike. And I thought, huh, what does that mean? There's a lot of things I dislike. I dislike the suffering in the world, uh, poverty, uh, abuse to children. You know, there are plenty of things to dislike what could this possibly mean? There's nothing I dislike. And I've thought about it and I've worked with it. And this has been one of the koans that, that I've worked with for myself to see, could I ever arrive at this expression of there's nothing I dislike? And I feel like I can. I feel like I have. And, and to me, what it means is, again, the immediate experience that we have in life, we have emotions and thoughts and feelings. That's what's being talked about here. There's nothing I dislike in terms of the experience I have of living. Now, to me, that means uh, when I'm having the experience or, or the emotion of, of disliking the injustice in the world, I don't dislike that I dislike it. Does that make sense? So, so I can say there is nothing I dislike. I like all of the feelings and thoughts and emotions that I have, even the unpleasant ones that make that stir me to want to... Um, have action, you know, some kind of action against the, to correct the injustice. Uh, to me, that's how I've, I've worked with this koan in my mind. And again, there's not a right way or a wrong way to these. This, these. These are expressions that you work with. So again, the invitation here is, what does that mean for you? What would it feel like for you to be able to say, there is nothing I dislike? So that's another one to, to think about. Um, and that was the main topic I wanted to share uh, in this podcast episode. I, I have a few other fun ideas I've been wanting to share, but um, this one kind of stepped over and became the, the next one in the list, even though it wasn't originally meant to be the next one. So I do have another one I'll, I'll record probably in the next couple of days, and it'll for sure come out next week. Um, but uh, again, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen and just uh, for being part of this journey with me uh it's been it's been a really fun experience so thank you guys for being a part of this uh for for listening and taking time out of your day i as always i hope these concepts um allow you to be more skillful with how you navigate life and the experiences that you have in life and the various tetris pieces that come your way because we're all in in different places so Again, if you want to learn more about uh, Buddhism in general, you can always check out my, my book, No-Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners. Um, it has history, concepts, and teachings, and, and practices. 
Uh, you can learn more, more about that visiting everydaybuddhism.com. But uh, I'm excited to announce as far as practices go, my next book is going to be a five-minute mindfulness journal with several uh, practices and things that you can work on that uh, uh, are meant to help you to practice mindfulness in your everyday life, in your day-to-day settings. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, uh, feel free to share it with others. You can write a review, give it a rating on iTunes. Uh, you can join our online community on Facebook, secularbuddhism.com forward slash community has the links there. Um, if you want to make a donation to support the work that I'm doing with the podcast, you can always visit secularbuddhism.com and click on the donate button. And that's all I have for now. But I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. Thank you for listening. Until next time.